Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of Art Lives. My name is Elizabeth Delamater, and on this podcast, I talk with artists one-on-one about their art, their lives, and how they navigate the world. This episode features Ken Jimenez, a trumpeter, educator, and instrument repair technician. Like many artists, Ken has many different careers and many different jobs, but we focused on Ken's instrument repair career and training for this interview. We spoke last summer at the International Music Camp, where we both work. This was last August in the International Peace Gardens on the border of the U.S. and Canada. Here is Ken Jimenez. It was such a goofy thing. Um, now, knowing what I know now, on the other side of things, yeah. the folks at Wyoming must have been just so confused by me showing up. Um, for your undergrad? For my undergrad, yeah. They, they, um, Wyoming is a small state, geographically large, uh-huh. population-wise small, okay. and there's only a few large cities. And by large cities, I mean above like 10,000 people. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. So... Um, so they knew about me, Wow! you know, as a player, like the the university did. Um, they had never really talked to me about going there. I think they assumed I was probably going to one of the bigger schools in like Colorado or Utah Uh or something. They just, they never really approached me. Uh Um, but I had a high ACT score and I had an okay enough GPA that the state had set up a, a scholarship for like top 10 of every graduating class could oh, basically go to school for free. Beautiful. Yeah. And so I just, I found out about that at the beginning of my senior year and I'm like, okay, well, I didn't expect this scholarship, but I'm going to get it. I will just, I will just go to, I'll just go to Wyoming. Uh-huh. Why would like, so I never auditioned or did anything. I never went up for lessons or anything like that. And I, sh- but I showed up for, um, their, they call it the Festival of the Winds. It's just a, you know, an honor band kind uh-huh. of thing. Sure. And if you signed up, you could do a lesson. And if you were thinking about music, then you could talk, you know, to, to someone about it. So I yeah. showed up and I did a lesson. And, um, so, and this was Tom Fotenhauer at the time. Uh-huh. He's like, so, so what are you thinking about school? And, he, and uh, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm doing music. Oh, okay. Well, you know, there's a lot of lot of schools. Um, where are you thinking about? I'm, I'm coming to Wyoming. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I got this. I got the scholarship thing. I, it's free. I'm just. I'll. I'll see you in the fall. <laughs> He's like. Okay. <laughs> so I just. Whoop, fell into their lap. Um, yeah, I I had no idea. How. I didn't know you could take lessons on an instrument. It just, oh. it didn't exist in my hometown. No one taught. Um, I didn't know anything about what you could do in music. I didn't, I knew nothing. I got no no real advice from, you know, high school teachers or anything. It was just, I just fell into it. I chose music because it was, it was that or art. And like, like 
visual art. Yeah. Because I had been working in, um, I'd been doing graphic design, uh, 3D modeling, and 2D artwork for video games. And when I'd you been, were in high school? Yeah. Not not in a professional sense. The the group that I was working with um, was in the process of forming an LLC and getting ready to to publish a game that we had been working on. Wow. It was actually it was a so what we had worked on was a mod for an, an existing game. So okay, it was a modification okay, right? to an existing modification. game. Modification. Yeah. Yep. And um, that's so lame. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it was but it was a really popular mod. Uh-huh. It was really popular. It was one of the top ten for Half Life at one point. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So um so I was doing that and I was decent yeah. at it. Um, but I would see the stuff that other people on our development team were doing, and I was like, I can't do that. I can't, I can't see the way you see. I don't understand art the way I can reproduce, but I oh. couldn't understand art the same way they did. Okay. And I could, I could just tell. It's kind of like the Salieri thing, Mozart and Salieri, <laughs> right? Just good enough to see that he's way better. Right. Right. And so that was me, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do huh. something where. Um, I will work really, really, really hard to produce things that are really, really subpar. Wow. And so I was like, well, music is the only other thing that I really know how to do. I was, I was good at history. I didn't think I wanted to teach anybody. Yeah. I hated talking to people. I hated speaking in public. It was very awkward. Um, so I, I thought, well, I can't do that. Uh, some of my teachers were encouraging me to go into like engineering or math or something like that. And I was like, you have no idea how much I struggle just to get through your easy peasy math classes. No, this is not happening. Um, so it was just, I didn't see, I didn't see another path. So oh. I did music and I just picked it and I figured, well, I really like being in band. I really looked up to my band director. Oh. He was an awesome guy. He was a very good trumpet player. Actually, I had two band directors that both were just yeah. outstanding trumpet players. Yeah. Ah. And um, I just said, well, I like what they do. Yeah. So I thought I would do that. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll study music and I'll, I'll end up teaching high school band. Huh. So I showed up and I had signed up as performance because I, I wasn't sure. And I just, I really wanted to play. I really liked playing. Yeah. Um, so I'd signed up as performance and then was going to... Um, double in ed okay in education and I went to our first music education meeting and the music education director said her thing uh-huh. and then at the end she says and for any of you who are thinking about doing music education as a backup plan uh-huh. or as a, a maybe leave right now yes drop it do something else because i will find out and i don't care if it's your senior year i don't care if you're about to go student teach if i find out that music education is your backup plan i will do everything in my power to get you out of the music education program i will not stand for it and i was like okay see ya so i just went the straight performance route yep and once you do that, it's hard to see another path. Right. It's hard to see, well, what else can I do? I ended up doing repair 
for a little bit. How did you start that? Interesting story. So <laughs> I started doing repair like this. Um, I had a friend, Mike, who was apprenticing in repair at the repair shop in Laramie, where I was going to oh, school. Yeah. He was, um, but he was in the National Guard. And um, this was in 2010. Okay. And that just happened to be a year where his unit was getting deployed. Wow. So he got deployed over Christmas. And he was going to be gone for like nine months. And he was the only other repair person at this shop. And so they needed to replace him with somebody. Mm -hmm. And I just, I was the somebody. I knew Mike. We were friends. He he had taught me some stuff about repair. I had read up a bunch on repair stuff. I was just sort of, I was the person in town. Yeah, but you already, why had you read up about it? Why had he taught you? What was it about it? I'm just a huge nerd about how things work. Ah. So, like, I had built, at one point, I built a horn. Um, and I'd, I'd basically just ask other people who had worked in this repair shop, like, hey, how do I solder things together? How do I get a trumpet apart? How do I cut these things? Uh-huh. You know, I just asked around, and I got some good advice and some bad advice. Um, but I, what I did is I took this just junk trumpet I got off of eBay. In hindsight, I really regret taking it apart because it's actually it was a super rare instrument. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a Whaley Royce Imperial. It's the only only brass manufacturer from Canada. It was made in Toronto. Huh. It was a it was a B flat C A convertible trumpet. I don't even know what that means. Okay, so you could pull out the slides oh, yeah, you and you could change right. them around so yep. it would play in C. I used it in orchestra, but oh it was gosh. it was so beat up and the lead pipe had cracks in it and stuff. Yeah. I just taped it up and played, you know and. Um, it was a nice horn, actually, but I was like, I think this would make a good E-flat trumpet. And my professor wants me to play the Haydn. And everyone always borrows the schools, and I don't have access to it, so I'm just going to make one. So I did. Amazing. I still have it. It, it kind of plays. It's okay. Amazing. It's okay. So that was part of it, too. I, I went to the shop and showed them, and they were like, it was bad. It's, it's really bad. <laughs> the soldering and everything. It's awful. But I had done it, and it played. Yeah. Um, and they had kind of told me that I couldn't do it. That was part oh. of it. Because I'd gone in there asking for advice. And right. like, don't do that. Don't. It's, it's never going to work. It, it never plays well. Just don't bother. It's a waste of time. Just save your money. Buy a horn. So I said, well, okay, fine. But I'm going to try it anyway. And then yep. I did it. So I brought it in. I'm like, see, it does play. Challenge. Yeah. So then they knew that I... I was just going to do it anyway. Yeah. So so they brought me in. I did some terrible repair work for nine months. <laughs> sitting there trying to figure out how to put a clarinet back together, which is not the most complicated thing in the world. I it's not. I have no idea. <laughs> you could learn in five minutes. But I'm sitting here like, where does this key go? Hmm. How did I just take... I took this thing apart five minutes ago. Why can't I figure out how all these pieces go back together? There's only like 10 parts here. <laughs> Not complicated, but um, did some, some really shoddy repair work. And then I did some okay repair work. Yep. And then I did a few things that were pretty good. Uh-huh. And then, you know, the professors would sometimes, like if something broke on their their horn, you know, by the time I was finishing up there, like they'd bring it to me. You know, I fixed people's mouthpieces and stuff like that. And cool. it just... 
it just happened. Then I went off to Duluth. Yeah. I was there and I was finishing up in Duluth, coming back home for the summer, and I, I didn't know what I was going to do. It was I was in between things. I was going to be going to NDSU. I right. knew that. But I needed some money for school. Yep. I needed to find a job. There was a, a music store in my hometown, which is Rock Springs, so it's two hours away from where I went to school. And uh, so I just called and I said, hey, this is a long shot, but do you need some help in the shop this summer? And uh, John Novotny, the repair guy, is like, well, you know, I don't really do apprentices anymore. Like, I just don't have time to train anybody. And I said, oh, no, I, you don't need to train me. Like, I've, I've been doing this for a while. Like, I, you know, I, I started a couple years ago. He's like, oh, well, then, yeah, sure. So I went down, and I worked there for five summers, I think. Oh we did, gosh. and we did hundreds of instruments every summer. Oh my just gosh! Just smashing our way through because he had a rental program, right? Cleaning and and fixing all of those, and you know how little kids can be with instruments, like yeah, tons of work. Um, they get backed up in the summer. Extremely, and so, you know, it would work. Because um, I was only doing part time work, but I'd work thirty hours a week, and probably knock out two hundred horns over the summer you know just yeah it was kind of grueling stuff but uh you learn fast and then i started doing imc which is where we are now so you you don't have a a fancy schmancy thing from red wing nope nope it's all apprenticeship it's all old school and um that's cool yeah and honestly the biggest learning thing one of the biggest teaching experiences for me was coming up here to imc because, you know, coming up to IMC, you're off on your own. Yeah. No one to call to help you. And you don't have <laughs> your, I keep telling people this, it's a shack in the woods. Yeah. You literally. don't have every single tool and every part. Yeah. And you don't have, it. back when I started, like, now we have access, like, there's cell phone data and ad stuff. But, oh, right. yeah. like, a couple years ago, there was no cell phone service. So if you couldn't figure it out and you didn't have a book, maybe you could find something online if you went into the staff lounge or something. You didn't right. have time, though. So it was just like, figure it out. Wow. And yeah. And so many things coming in so fast. Yep. And then the kids have to play like that afternoon again yep. if you can fix it. Yep. That was, that was today. That was, you know, um, 7.40 tonight. I was, I, I had just shown back up to the repair hut and I was just putting a couple of things away and someone comes in I have to play in 15 minutes and a pad just fell out of my clarinet okay here we go let's do it <laughs> yep so I I wonder if the teachers who pushed you towards engineering saw the whatever it is in you that likes to know how things work do you know what I mean sure and I imagine that they probably did I think it's because the person in particular that I'm thinking of uh, was my calculus teacher. Oh. He's a great guy. He's a musician. Hmm. Played accordion. <laughs> He's a good awesome. accordion player, though. And it's it's kind of a thing in my hometown. There's yeah. a, a large Eastern European population. And oh, so, I didn't know. Cool. Yeah, we have this thing called uh, International Days, uh-huh. which is um, everyone gets together at the, the park in the middle of town and it's it's basically just like a food festival that's that's the main thing awesome yeah food and beer and everyone just wanders around the park and tries various things 
fantastic. Um, yeah, so uh, the big thing my, my hometown is known for is these things called Kronskis. Yeah, which is, it's a Polish sausage. Of course. It's Polish sausage, but in a hot dog casing, basically. Okay. And um, it's just a thing that the local butcher came up with way, way back when, and it just, like, became a thing. So it's a Polish sausage that's that's thin. It's a thin Polish sausage, yep. Oh. Meant to be grilled. Nice. Yep, it's it's good. Yeah. Um. So where was I going with all of that? You, you had a oh, oh, teacher. okay, calculus teacher. Accordion player, yeah, right? Um, weirdest thing, but he'd make us like go out and dance. He'd play accordion. We'd do polka. Cool. You know, just he's a goofy old dude. But um, I think what he probably saw is that I would struggle with all of the concepts in calc. But I would get it once. I, I would always ask how it worked and why it worked that way. Right. Like, why does it do this? Why do we have to do why can't we do it this way? Yep. Why does this not work? There what happens go. if you do this thing instead? Yep. Like asking those types of questions. And my classmates were much more, oh, okay, that's how it works. I'll memorize how that works. Now I know how to do it. But if you apply if the situation changes, then Yeah. That's yeah, that I just saw a I'm into these space shows now because one of my friends is um, a billions science Billions and billions and... Sorry. Right? Yeah. And I've been listening to the uh, stories about the earlier NASA engineers. And that's what they did. Well, can we do this? Why can't it do this? Well, what do we need to fit? And all those questions. I mm -hmm. bet that that's exactly what that teacher saw. Yep. So that's... Uh, that answers so many of my questions. So you, now, how many years have you been, since the first year, how many years have you been repairing instruments? I started in 2010, so this would be nine years. So if somebody asks you, what do you do? What do I do? What do you say? <laughs> A lot of everything. Yeah. Um, what do you put on the... On the um, on the CV? On the, uh, what do you put on the immigration form or the, or the doctor's form? Uh, teacher. 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 Uh, I didn't think I would like to teach. I didn't think I would be good at it. I don't know yet if I'm good at it, but it's fun. I've heard you're good at it. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> it I'm, is I'm fun. glad. Yeah. Um, I didn't think it would be as rewarding as it is. Oh. And... Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a slog, and sometimes you you get done with with class, and you go in your office, and you're like, "Don't cry, don't cry. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yep. You don't always you don't always get it. You know. You don't always bat a thousand. Um, but there are moments. You know, I was teaching music theory, which was terrifying because I was very bad at music theory. <laughs> but I was teaching music theory. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll help you with your German augmented six chords, <laughs> I guess. Maybe if I can remember. But moments where you're explaining something and they just go, oh, it's just that. And you're like, yeah, it's just that. Yeah. Like, oh, this is super easy. And I'm like, yeah, it's not so bad, is it? That's, that's super exciting. Isn't that was that very exciting. Cool. Yeah. Um, so that's what I say. But I, I do so much more. You know, I'm fixing horns. I'm building things. I've built 
all sorts of weird random stuff. When I was at NDSU, I, what did I have to make? One of my friends wanted an F trumpet. What so, does that look like? So it's, it's like, um, it's the old orchestral trumpet from like oh. the romantic period, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So when you see, you know, in a German score, trumpet and F, it's not calling for a little tiny F trumpet like we have today. It's calling for a big honker. Yes. And, um, he wanted one because he wanted to be able to demonstrate what it w- was like. So it's basically like a mellophone with a trumpet bell. Okay. And I'm like, well, how are we going to make this? So I went down to the um, the repair shop in Fargo, and I was like, do you have a junk horn that has at least all of its working parts that like I can buy for 20 bucks? Yeah. So we went through the rack of horns, and this one will work. We don't, we're not going to use this one ever. It's not good. Okay, take it. Buy a bunch of tubes bend some stuff around, make take a pile of old parts, just cobbles, it, weird thing. Yeah. And it had to fit it had to fit in a normal trumpet case. I couldn't Whoa. I couldn't make it long. So, um, the person I was studying with at uh, NDSU, he had made an F trumpet. Okay. But it was it was a big honker. It was like, yeah. you know, um, like 3 feet long. It could it didn't fit in anything. My friend was from Brazil. It had to fit in a normal trumpet case so it could fit in a carry-on so it could go on a plane. So then I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I make a weird bendy slide you can add in and all of this? It was very complicated. I I don't have pictures of it anymore, unfortunately. But that that was two or three months of work. Holy cow. Yeah. The the other TAs hated us, too, because I'm sitting in there. It's like, you know, everyone's trying to work, and I'm, like, with a (laughs) blowtorch taking apart this (laughs) trumpet. Um, Built that natural trumpets uh, for... That same friend that was in Brazil, he wanted yeah. a natural trumpet he could take home. So again, it had to be a natural trumpet, which is normally like three feet long, four feet long, but it has to fit in a carry-on case. So okay, how do I make this come apart, and how do I build it for thirty bucks? Wow. Right? Yeah, that was interesting. I built that up here a couple of years ago. That means that you you have to know by being an instrument repair technician, mm-hmm. you have to know how to use a ton of tools and it's not like just woodworking mm-hmm. or just metalworking yep okay so i've had to um i've had to sew my own trumpet cases <laughs> i've like I've, I've made my own trumpet cases um made my own like valve oil and all sorts of other stuff um it's basically just kerosene um what else I've experimented with making mouthpieces. Um, I've done some woodworking stuff. I've I had to figure out how to bind the natural trumpets together with cord. So that it's with, like oh, wow. with cords. Yeah, that this took a while to figure out how they did that. It's not complicated. It's actually it's the same thing as whipping. Like if you have a rope that's uh-huh. fraying, you whip the end of it with like right. a, a piece of string. Right. Yep. It's that. That's how you hold them together. Um, all sorts of stuff. Learn how to make tassels because <laughs> the, the cords on the natural trumpets okay, have okay. tassels yep, and stuff. Yep. Like so many things that I thought I, I'm never going to need to know this. Well, apparently I, I do. <laughs> do. Does that, I mean, you're laughing now. Does that make you, does that, is that just silly when you're doing it? Is there any, there's, there's you... moments where you're like, what am I doing right now? <laughs> Here's an example. Okay. I, I showed up to, I showed up to IMC this week or a couple weeks ago when I got here. And there's a specific tool you use when you're working on woodwinds. Um, woodwinds have these 
springs underneath the keys. They're called needle springs. Oh, yeah. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a needle oh, my gosh. made out of spring steel. And so when you push a key down, it pushes against that needle, and that needle wants to go back to where it was and acts like a spring, right? Uh-huh. So it's, it's a spring that pushes against twisting motion. Um, and it acts against a little peg that's um, basically welded onto the key or soldered on okay. or brazed onto the key. Um, to get those little springs off, you have a little hook. It's a little, yeah, it looks almost like a crochet hook. It's a sure. little, like, it's basically a little stick with a notch. Uh-huh. And it also has another notch that you can use to pull on the spring. So you can either pull the spring towards you or you can push it away and eventually the spring will pop off the post and then you can remove the key or whatever you got to do. Got it. These springs will also pop off on their own sometimes. So often like a student will come in and, oh, my clarinet doesn't work. Oh, the spring just popped off. You pop it back on. Cool. If you have the little hook to do the spring, it is a two-second job. Super easy. If you do not have the little hook, it is almost impossible to get those springs back on because they're round and you can't push on them with anything. You can't fit your finger on the, under the keys because right. the instrument's too small. You will go crazy sitting there with like a screwdriver trying to poke it around. Uh, it's, it's the silliest thing. So I showed up. Uh-huh. There was no spring hook. No. Someone had moved it, taken it. I don't know. It was gone. No. So then I'm like, well, I know I'm going to need one of these. Uh-huh. So I'm looking through my tools and I'm like, I don't have one. And I'm like, okay, do I have anything I can make one out of? Oh I'm looking gosh. through all my stuff. I'm like, do I have a, an old screwdriver? Do I have a piece of brass or something I can use? Nope. So I just start looking around the shop and just wandering around in, in desperation. And I'm like, well, there's a coat hanger. <gasps> yes. so, yeah. So I snipped apart a coat hanger. And it was actually it was all bent up and messed up. So I straightened the whole thing out using the tapping on the vice, getting it straight. And then had to take a little file and file all the notches and everything into it. I've been using that for three weeks. It's fine. You just have to do weird, random things like that. Oh and you're sitting God. there like, so I'm sitting here with this coat hanger. Yeah. Like straightening it out, trying to get it. I'm like, why, why, why is this happening in life right now? <laughs> I do that too. Like, um, I think I talked earlier when we were, we were just chatting about going to ITG, uh, yeah. the Trumpet Guild thing in, in Columbus. So we played natural trumpet oh. for that. Um, so we had to transport five natural trumpets plus five people in a little tiny car. And um, natural they don't really make natural trumpet cases, or they do, oh. but they're like a couple of hundred bucks. I didn't know that. Right, because it's a really specialty thing. Yeah. And we had made ours out of parts of old trumpets. And cool. it was, yeah, it was kind of silly. Um, well, I didn't want mine getting all beat up and banged around. So I had to make a case. Yep. Because I couldn't afford a new case. Um, and besides, like, it was made out of, like, just junk trumpets. Why would I spend $200 on a case for this thing? So I ended up scrounging around. I found an old sleeping bag, <laughs> cut oh, it apart. Cut it apart into a case, and I'm sitting there sewing it together, and it's another one of those moments like I'm I'm cutting up a sleeping bag to turn it into a case for a Baroque trumpet made out of junk. So I can go I can travel to Ohio and play this in front of basically every trumpet player. <laughs> that was kind of weird and scary. Yeah. That that whole gig. Um it was fun. But sometimes they're just odd moments right. for why am I doing this? When I first got here last year, 
sat down in the repair shop. First thing that comes in is a kid with a bass clarinet that had snapped in half. What? Yeah, literally snapped in half. And he just he dropped his case, maybe. I don't know. It was oh a school instrument. Gosh. So he shows up and, you know, on the verge of tears, like, yeah. what do I do? And I'm like, uh, so I had to just figure it out. Okay, how are we going to put this thing back together? So J.B. Weld does wonderful things. Wow. Yep. So it, and it held, I, as far as I know, it still works. Wow. So, yeah. And it's just like, so, but I didn't have any clamps. Like, how do you clamp together? a four foot long instrument like they don't make a clamp that big they don't make a vice that big so what did you do um what did i do i once i got the epoxy on both sides uh-huh. smushed it together and then i wired the keys together on the opposite side right and then i basically um got as many rubber bands and other things as i could as i could and to, cr- to provide some clamping force oh on it and um then I put a dowel through the middle of it so it wouldn't like tip over. And I yep. set it up as perfectly straight as I could up in the corner of the shop. And then I just waited <laughs> and prayed. <laughs> and it worked. So it was fine. Just there's so many things where you cannot possibly anticipate what is going to happen. You can't, you can't guess. You can't prepare. You can't yeah. anything. It just happens to you. And you have to figure out how to proceed based on... Sometimes it's just a guess. It's just a gut feeling. You know? Problem solving? Yep. And that's not only the repair shop stuff. It's everything in music. It's so many things in life. Just True. So many things come up and you have no idea what you're going to do. And you have to literally just do. Yeah. And, you know, show up to gigs so many times. Because I, I played a fair amount of jazz. And I'm never a regular on these gigs. I'm always, you know, I'm getting the call two hours before the gig. Hey, I can't play. I got to be at my kid's whatever thing, you know, Jimothy's soccer game. So, okay, you know, show up to play. I have no idea what these charts are going to be like. I don't know if I have, you just, okay, this is what it is. And here we go. Yeah. And teaching's the same way too sometimes. Yes, you show up and it's, I had everything prepared and, oh, all of my equipment doesn't work. Oh, I have to be in a different room. Oh, the student is not feeling well, and now we need to have a life talk. Yeah, I've had I've had several of those lessons where it's, hey, how's it going? <laughs> okay, let's talk. What's going on? Yeah, so being able to be flexible. to adapt to whatever and move forward and create something that is not perfect, but is at least it gets the job done. Uh, that has been the only way I've been able, that's, that has how, that's how I've always moved forward. It's just, I didn't expect this thing was going to happen, but here it is and I've got to do it. Yeah. And I most of the time have no idea what I'm going to do, but we're doing it anyway can't stop it and sometimes it doesn't work out but a lot of the time it does because you have the skills and the technique and the curiosity also Mm -hmm. um, 
but also I think the grit because other people would probably give up mm -hmm. or say, I can't help you. Right. Um, IMC is interesting that way because you can't say no. <laughs> you right? can't. Like, you're the only person. Yeah. You know, so you came to me a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. right when you like, right when you got off the plane and your shoe had exploded. Yep. <laughs> like, I am not a cobbler. I have no idea how to repair shoes, but you need a shoe because yeah. <laughs> that's what you brought to camp. So we just we just figured something out and made it work. Um, yeah, you you learn it in an environment like that where you just don't. You don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people set their hearts on a very specific thing. Yes. A very specific. I want to play in the X. One of my one of my professors at Wyoming, his life goal was to play trombone in the Chicago Symphony. Oh, oh wow. That was it. So he was living in Chicago, mm -hmm. studying with um, Frank Crisofoli. Yeah. And he was ready to go. The audition came up because uh, Chris fully retired. I may be totally wrong on this. Yeah. I, I, I am not an orchestral person. That's I'm not right. an orc dork. I don't follow all this stuff. <laughs> just don't don't at me. To, to, you know, like, just if I'm wrong, actually, just forgive was, me. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like I, I don't I don't need any well actuallys right now. But um, the audition came up. He took the audition. He didn't get it. Yeah. He had to completely, he had to completely redo his entire life. He's very successful now, but every, it was it was absolutely everything. It is all he thought about. It's all he cared about, and he didn't get it. Right. It, he adapted, but a lot of people can't. Yes, true. And a lot of people also um, are close off to new experiences. Yes. They want to do the things that they're really used to. And if something new, if a new opportunity comes up that requires something that's outside of their current skill set, they'll just turn it down because they'll just say, oh, I don't know how to do that. Yes. And, well, you know what? You got offered the thing. Take it and figure it out. It's not going to go well the first time, but maybe it will. Why? Maybe it will go well. Why, how, how, where, where did that, where does that come from in you? Why, you come from a small place. Why do you have that ability to try something new and to say, let's go for it? Hmm. Um, I didn't always. Okay. Here's a funny example. Not funny, I suppose, but an example. Um, is in junior high. Mm -hmm. Little kid. Super afraid of everything. Um, I had wanted to play in the school jazz band. Yeah. But you had to audition for that. And that meant you had to read music, and I couldn't read music. Not properly. Oh, okay. I could read the notes. I didn't understand how rhythms worked. And so I'd signed up for an audition, and I never did it. And uh, so the next... Uh, it, that was in the spring. In the fall, the band director pulled me aside and was like, hey, you were signed up to do jazz band. You never auditioned. What's the deal? And I said, at that point, I'm terrified. And I'm like, yep. I didn't know how to read the music. <laughs> so he's like, oh, okay. So he sat me down 
and 30 minutes we went through everything that would have been on the audition and he's like no you're playing okay so then i'm playing a jazz band i have no idea what i'm doing and i wasn't supposed to be in it but i'm i'm in it now so i'm figuring it out and then it's okay so we're going to do improv now what, what do you mean everyone's going to solo by myself yeah oh okay and you had to do it part of the class wasn't class would stop if you didn't play so you just had to play and it was a lot of those experiences where you didn't think you could do it but you just had to do it that was one of the things that was so great about um uh that particular band director vince proctor Mm -hmm. um was just he made us do so many things that were way beyond us yeah. You know, we're memorizing Bach chorales and stuff, trying to play them. Like, he'd turn off the lights. He's like, okay, we're going to play this this chorale. You know, and just and we're farting our way through it. It's right, not right, going right. well. But make it, make us do it and look at it, turn off the lights again, try to play through it. All these, these wild things that um, junior high students should not be trying to do, probably. But... The lights go you have to try. on and you learn the next note. Yeah, you just have to try. Um, you So you asked, and I'm not really answering your question, you asked why someone like me from a small town, et cetera, et cetera, has, has this. I don't know. Well, it sounds like that teacher set you up. That's one thing for sure. Yeah. Um, just always being put in situations where I was never ready, <laughs> but just had to do it. Um you just, you never get used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you eventually gain at least enough self-confidence to, if something really crazy happens, I've had really crazy things happen before. It'll be okay. okay. Last night, yeah. we did that, little, I don't know if you were at the... You, yeah. I, I was behind, I was backstage. Okay. You did something nuts right yeah so we did this really goofy thing we had just figured it out that day so here's here's what happened we did this little performance for faculty recital here at imc it was myself and um jennifer becker the string repair tech here Uh, a camper had come in and um was making a joke and said oh yeah well well you two should play on the faculty recital you could, could make something play together and so we're like well fine yeah so we did so what we did is we took an old trumpet that was in pieces and taped it up so it worked and because it had holes in it and stuff we drilled a hole in the bell okay took a a part from another trumpet and ran a a violin string from the hole in the bell to the back of the bell where it curves back around really yeah yeah and then we clamped it on using a pair of vice grips so we pulled it back really tight clamped it onto the trumpet and then um, put a violin bridge under the uh, string and bowed the string. So then you have a monochord connected uh-huh. to the trumpet. Yes. So we played the Blue Danube Waltz. Da 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 da. <laughs> so the violin's doing the, the high notes and it's, it sounded horrendous. No yeah. I knew what was going on. Right. And it was yeah. supposed to be like the whole thing was just making fun of the, like, what is it the repair techs get up to in the repair the repair hut? Right. So we turned it into this big routine. So we walked out and we here's what we were going to do. We we're going we had, had tuning forks, 
hit the tuning fork on the stand, listen to it, try to tune the trumpet. The trumpet tuning slide doesn't work, so I had to hammer, hammer the tuning slide back out, put it back in, get it tuned up. Then um, the string repair tech puts the bridge on and is setting the bridge with a ruler very carefully and uh -huh. tuning everything. And of course, it sounds terrible. And we're not in tune. We're like half steps apart on purpose. Hilarious. And, and then we play. That's what was going to happen. It was all planned out. Okay. We walked out on stage. We bowed. And the vice grips fell off the trumpet. <laughs> the oh, whole thing went completely, it just fell apart completely, which is kablooey. So we're on <laughs> stage and I just look at her and I'm like, we have to fix this on stage. <laughs> and we're just laughing. So pulling everything tight, getting the vice grips back on, trying to get the, we did it in like 20 seconds, but cool. we turned it, we, we had to just improvise. We had to just, okay, we're on stage. This whole thing has gone completely wrong. We cannot walk off stage. How do we turn this into something that the campers will enjoy? Yeah. And they had a hoot. It was it was a, it was a good time. Yeah. All I knew was you guys had a number. I was looking forward to hearing you play. And then I heard all of this laughing. Yep. A couple notes and then more laughing. And then she came backstage almost crying. <laughs> Hopefully crying from She was from laughing. Laughter. She was laughing yeah. so hard. She was almost yeah. crying. The bow that we used was just a, it was parts. <laughs> we had duct taped it together to make it play. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just silly. Um, I didn't know that was going to happen that day. Yeah. I was not, I was, you know, rough day, not ready for the performance. This, the camper comes in and is like, oh, well, you should do this. <laughs> okay. And then she says, you know what? We're going to do it. Yep. And so now I'm. Okay, I guess we're gonna do it. We figure it out. We build the thing. We go out there. It breaks. We fix it. We play. Perfect. Yeah. So, being adaptable is it's so crucial, and I don't know if it can be taught. I wish I knew how. I I wish I knew what it was that you know, like my my junior high band director was doing, or my my high school band directors. What I I wish I knew what people were teaching me so that I could take those things and give it to my students. But yes. I don't know what it is that makes people resilient and adaptable. Resilient, that's the word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just to not, don't give up. Mm -hmm. And then keep going. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's at least two things. And it's not that you have to keep going on the path you thought you were going to go down. Right. You just have to continue down a path. You have to, you might, there might be a little jog. You might go to a slightly different place. You don't have to, when you, you know, encounter an obstacle, just, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to turn around and go into finance now or something. You know, like, if, yes. you're, if you're in art, you're going to encounter things that you feel like are impossible. And maybe you can't find a way over but you might be able to find a way around or through or under and keep going. And maybe you will reach a destination that's not exactly what you thought it was going to be, but it's still in the thing that you want to do. It's still art. Repair is not a thing that I thought, yeah, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I'm going to be a repair person my entire life. If I had thought I was going to do that, I would have gone to school for it. I would have researched it. I would have been doing it when I was in high school, you know. Uh-huh, yeah. It's, it's a thing that it just kind of happened. 
and it happened because I was open to the experience and right. gave it a shot. Um, I didn't think I could do jazz when I was when I was really young, but now you know you my band director pulled me aside and said, "Nope, you're doing this. Here's enough enough to just get you going," and then constantly just throwing challenges. Right. And you know now I I play fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think I could teach, but. I, I got an assistantship at Duluth, and they said, hey, we need you to teach uh, the trumpet part of Brass Methods. Oh. Oh. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd never taught anyone before, but... That was your first thing. Yeah. Teaching other people how to teach your instrument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just have to... You just have to try. Um... Art is always like that. Art is always like that. You just, you, you don't know. You, it, you cannot possibly predict what's going to happen. There's this really, it's not schlocky or anything, but I don't know if you've seen this image. Uh, it's the path to success. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very line. true, the squiggly line. I was just telling somebody about that today. Yeah. One of our campers, our adult campers. Yeah, and... My line has been, and will continue to be, exceedingly squiggly. <laughs> um, but it's going to go somewhere. Yeah. And I'll be happy with wherever it ends up. You have been listening to the Art Lives Podcast. I am so grateful to Ken Jimenez for talking with me. It is my pleasure to point out that you are listening to Ken play right now. As you do, we do every episode because I use Nicholas Meyer's piece, Slightly Funky, as the Art Lives theme music. And that is Nicholas Meyer's on percussion and Ken Jimenez on trumpet. I have posted information and links for Ken Jimenez on the Art Lives page of my website, elizabethdelamater.com. Please rate Art Lives on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher.com. More ratings help more listeners find the podcast, which is always good, as you know. Special thanks to Bill Salek, artist Eduardo Moreno for our logo and composer Nicholas Myers, along with his partner Ken Jimenez, for playing this awesome music. And as always, thank you so much for listening to Art Lives. <laughs>